Hi, this is Mark, lead pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. Hey, Lux Digital Church. Man, it is good to be here with you tonight. We're wrapping up what has been three months in the same exact book of the Bible, looking every week, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We're going to dive into that in a moment. I want to tell you, my name is Mark, and I am the pastor here at Lux Digital Church, and we're so excited to have you here with us, especially if you're here for the first time. And I just want to challenge you, if you are here for the first time, I want to challenge you to take a courageous first step and just say hello in chat. Give us a wave emoji. Give us a kappa emoji. Whatever you want to do, drop something in chat to let us know that you're here. I saw Star Fox is here tonight. I just want to say thank you. We're welcoming you. We're so glad that you're here with us. Drop a follow if you want to. You'll even get an alert here on the screen to let us know that you're here. We want to welcome you into our church family. We just want to welcome you into our community here at Lux. Our goal is to create a place that brings light and hope to an otherwise dark corner of our world, which the online world can often be a rather dark place or a rather difficult place. And Lux literally is the Latin word for light. L-U-X is the Latin word for light. So our goal is to bring light and hope into the online communities all across Twitch and all through the gaming world. And so we're just so thankful for you and we're so glad that you're here. If you're tuning in later via podcast or VOD or YouTube, I just want to say welcome. We're glad that you're here as well. But I also want to invite you to join us live on Wednesday nights at 8.30 p.m. EST because if you do, I can actually say hello to you. Like I can say hello to Faye and I can say hello to Rabbitman and David and Gibbles and Bits. I can say hi to Baggy Man and Star Fox and Private Ryan and JT and every person and Doc, whoever's in the chat i actually get to engage with you there's something special about actually being here and being live together that's powerful and important and we would love to have you come and join us in just two weeks guys we're kicking off an entire new series called whisper based off the book by mark batterson and tonight we're giving away five copies of that in fact if you're listening to this later come next week we're giving away another five copies next week you just hit exclamation point ticket in the chat and we'll put you into a drawing to draw at the end of the services to give away five copies of that book, hardback copies that we'll actually ship to you. Um, so you can have a copy of the book as we work our way through a lot of the teachings that are in it. We're going to be doing an eight-week series. And with it, we're going to be kicking off small groups at the end of September, beginning of October. Listen, all of our small groups are mostly on, well, they're all on Monday or Tuesday. Most of them are in the evening. It's simple and easy to get plugged in because, listen, all you got to do is pull up your phone and join a voice chat or jump into a video chat from your computer. You don't have to necessarily get dressed up or go out or drive anywhere to be part of community. We actually take the community straight to you. And life change and transformation actually happens happens within the context of these small groups. My small group on right now, Monday nights has been so incredibly pivotal and powerful for me and the people who are in it as me and some brothers just kind of raise each other up, connect, confide, and pray for one another. And on the top of that, we've just been hanging out and playing Destiny 2 together as well. So love to really love to have you in a small group. Tonight, we wrap up the longest series at Lux so far, which isn't saying a lot because we've only had three series. But this has been a 12-week long, three-month 
series that has been going through the book of Galatians. Now, Galatians was a book that was written, it was a letter originally by a man named Paul to a grouping of churches in modern-day Turkey, which I've said now 12 times, and I'm excited because in a couple of weeks I won't have to say that anymore. And, uh, and we've been looking chapter by chapter, verse by verse through this book, and we've gone on quite a journey together. We've looked at everything from understanding the implications of salvation and understanding the justification of, of uh, a human being to the righteousness of God. We've learned about the goodness of God and the power of God. We've learned that in many ways we love the law as people. We just want to have control over our own destiny, that we've wrapped our brains around some small and insignificant version of God because it's the type of God that we feel comfortable with because it's the type of God that we control. But we actually have a God and there is a God that exists that is beyond all of those things. Each week we've asked the same question, how good is good enough? How good is good enough? And in each week of this series, we've been answering that question in a different way from a different angle. And tonight we wrap all of that up. We've gone and talked about the desert road and the mountain path. We've talked about what it means to be a son or a daughter of God. In the last two weeks, we've been wrapping all of that up with some practical application of, okay, we understand what it means to be saved. We understand why it's important for us to come to faith in Jesus. We understand the significance of God calling us his children and loving us as his sons and daughters. And then we've uh, really tied that all up really nicely by talking about application. What does it mean to actually live? Live with joy and peace and mercy and thankfulness? What does it mean to actually live in a reflection of the Holy Spirit speaking into our life? How do we actually tune our ear to the voice of God and begin walking with him? And as we're closing our series, talking about exactly that, we jump into a series where we spend eight weeks really diving deep on the last point of this 12-week series, which is tuning our ear to the multiple facets of the voice of God, which I'm incredibly excited about because I know when you begin to learn to hear God's voice through the circumstances and situations in your life. And guys, it's an introductory week and then it is seven weeks looking at seven different ways that God speaks to us. And most of us will be able to identify one or two, but you will not expect all seven of them. And so there'll probably be at least five weeks where like, wow, this is new. And I didn't know that God could actually communicate with me in this way. But God's voice is well beyond the vocal range of our ears and he speaks to us in unique and really cool ways. So we're going to be diving into that. But this series ends tonight as we look at the closing words of the Apostle Paul. Tonight we have the challenge of taking everything we've talked about for 12 weeks and tying it all up together and putting the finishing touches on it. But Paul had the same exact challenge, and that's why he took the pen in his own hand away from his scribe and penned the last words of this sacred letter to the beloved Christians that he had helped raised up in Galatia. Let's look at the last handful of verses, the last eight verses in the book of Galatians. It says this, Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want you to look good for others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. But as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. 
From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Here in the conclusion of the book of Galatians, Paul takes up the pen himself and writes the final words to the people. Now, guys, it's really important that we do take some time and refocus back on the central message of this letter because Paul returns to the heart of what he wrote in really chapters 1 through 5 or 1 through 4 of this, this letter um, of the book of Galatians. He returns to the central intention of the letter. And it's important that we recognize that because the further we stray from the original intention of the author in terms of the letter, the further we stray from the scope of the entire body of writing, the more prone we are to misinterpret and draw things from the Bible that weren't intended to be there. And throughout history, we have manipulated the word of God to do terrible things to people. And today, we continue to manipulate the word of God in order to say what we want it to say in order to do what we already wanted to do. And the point of God's word is not to get out of it what we want to get out of it, but it's for it to challenge us and to bring about transformation and change in our lives that we might be reformed or remade into the closer image of Jesus. And so when we look at this, it's important to point out one thing, and that is this letter is about circumcision. This letter is about a group of Jews who went to the Galatian churches and tried to make them be circumcised. Why? Because if they were circumcised, they would be considered part of Abraham's yoke. If you were a, a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, and you wanted to be accepted in, inside of the Jewish culture, you had to perform in their rites and their ceremonies and the ways that they did things. And so in order to do that, you had to be circumcised, or at least the males in your house had to be circumcised. Now, I know that seems kind of scary and a little bit barbaric now, but back then it was simply that important. And what Paul is pointing out is we're not returning to the old way of the law. There's a new way, a way of grace. And it's the way that we've been talking about throughout the entirety of this series. It's the strain and the, the single thing, the thread that has gone throughout the last 12 weeks from beginning to end is that it is not about the rules that we follow or the laws that we have that save us in the name of Jesus, but it's faith in Jesus. And it's this awesome, amazing free gift that we can receive by placing our faith in him. And it seems like foolishness to the world because the world, the world wants religious rules and rights and regulations. And if they want to follow, they want to follow those things because it puts us in the driver's seat. But Paul has been saying over and over again, listen, it's not about being circumcised and it's not about following the law. It's about this new opportunity, a relationship with God through the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, when I do read a section and I preach on it, I typically zero in on a couple of key verses and we sort of expand from there. And then I share some of my own insights and research from it and prayerfully hope that that's the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding in my life so that it might benefit you. So there, there's a lot of different things in the closing of this letter that we could spend time on and we could spend three or four weeks just on these 10 verses. But I wanted to focus in on two of them that I've found to be really central and important. They stuck out to me, so I thought we would talk about them tonight. The first one is this. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. Paul says they don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. Most of us live in a culture where we have never endured the type of persecution that Paul endured or that Paul is talking about. 
In Paul's day, it was significant to be a Christian. It meant enormous sacrifice. When he gets to the very end of his letter, he says, don't let anybody bother me anymore because I literally bear the scars on my body that represent that I belong to Jesus. Now, this may seem barbaric or kind of crazy. I, I should stop using the word barbaric. It may seem a little bit crazy to us when he's talking about scars, but he's not talking about emotional scars. He's not talking about a fight with a friend where he lost a relationship because he decided to be a Christian and my friend who wasn't decided not to be my friend anymore. He's not talking about mean words that were slung at him. Paul had repeatedly been in prison, shipped, wrecked, beaten. There was a time where he was whipped over and over again there was a time when he was stoned to the point that an entire crowd of people stoned meaning people threw stones at him until they thought that he was dead they drug him outside the city stoned him to death and then he crawled out of the pile of stones that he was under i have to imagine that paul had unhealed broken bones i have to imagine that he had a limp i have to imagine that his face was disfigured i have to imagine that when paul took off his shirt that his back was a layer of scars on top of another layer of scars from having been beaten with whips and cat of nine tails to within an inch of his life over and over again. In his time, Christians were being flat out murdered. And Paul, before he became a follower of Jesus, actually was one of the ones who hunted down and murdered people who were part of the church. To be a Christian was a brutal reality. It meant significant sacrifice. Most of us who live in the Western world, Europe, uh, the United States, Canada, we've never experienced even moderate pressure in comparison to what Paul and the people that he was writing to would go through. At one point, the persecution in the church got so bad that scars were literally a mark of being part of the church. If you did not bear scars, you were not considered part of the church. Quite literally, there was a time when if you were arrested by the Romans and questioned and you returned without the markings, without the scars and the evidence of being whipped and beaten, you were expelled from the church because they knew that they beat and tortured Christians. So if you didn't bear the marks of being tortured, that means under the threat of torture or in the middle of torture that you renounced that Jesus Christ was Lord. Therefore, you no longer belonged in the church. Eventually, persecution got so bad that Christians were being run through by the sword, fed to lions, drawn and quartered and set on fire and being used as lanterns. Literally, they would be doused in tar, put in metal cages, and then they would be lit on fire and burnt alive for the emperor's barbecues and his garden parties. And it was during that time that if you were arrested as a Christian and you came back alive, you weren't allowed to be part of the church because they knew that you had renounced the faith and you had renounced Jesus in order to save your own hide. This is the type of persecution that Paul is talking about. And it's certainly not the type of persecution that you or I probably endure or face today. However, in other parts of the world it is high in the tibetan mountains you will oftentimes be stoned to death by your own family members if you convert to christianity we have friends that are in india who have been arrested and beaten repeatedly for preaching the word of god in vietnam in north korea my friends in cuba whenever i went to visit them they would literally the pastors of the churches would be arrested on saturday and then put in prison and left there until monday morning so they wouldn't be able to preach their churches were bulldozed they were arrested and beaten this is the type of persecution that doesn't go on just you know ancient times but it actually is actively going on 
right now, if you're part of the underground church of China right now, you are consistently in a situation where you can be arrested and thrown in prison or disappear altogether. This is just the reality of many of our brothers and sisters. And this is not speaking of all of our brothers and sisters who are trapped or being brutally murdered in Afghanistan right now. The reality is persecution and Christianity have always gone hand in hand. But in our world, we have resisted the idea because it's just not something that we've ever experienced. Now, I'm not saying that as followers of Jesus, we should embrace or intentionally go after intense physical persecution. I'm just saying that the reality is, is that through all of human history, those who were Christians were frequently persecuted. Those who were Christians were frequently murdered, beaten and tortured. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen in my lifetime or in your lifetime, but as I look at the trending in our culture today and how accepted it is to be a person of faith or be a person who holds typical Christian morals, I do realize that as the pressure mounts that in my children's lifetime or my grandchildren's lifetime, it may come a point where literal physical scars go hand in hand with being a follower of Jesus. My question is, do you love Jesus enough to be prepared for that type of sacrifice? Because there may come a time in history in the Western world where it will mean taking physical scars to consider yourself a follower of Jesus. And like Paul and the Galatian Christians, are we capable of wearing those scars as a badge of honor? And in the face of persecution and the pressure that we face today, are we capable of returning that with grace and peace and love and forgiveness? Because those who were beaten with whips introduced people to Jesus. The very people who sought to murder them, they prayed for. And when I look at our culture today, I often see churches and Christians who are at war with the culture when they're just dealing with moderate pressure, not even persecution. And Paul says, listen, these guys that are coming to you, they just want to avoid being persecuted. They're trying to get you circumcised so that they don't have to say that it's only by Jesus that we're saved. Don't avoid persecution. But when it comes, are you prepared not to set aside the truth of God's word and your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you prepared to hold firm to the faith in the presence of oppression and punishment and pain? The second scripture that I think is really powerful and stuck out to me from this passage is this. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. What counts is whether or not we have been transformed into a new creation. Most of us probably can resonate that resonate with that pretty deeply. When we hear it, we think, man, yeah, I'm ready to be made new. If you ever gotten to that place where life was just oppressive and it was overwhelming and you felt like you had made a lot of mistakes and you were battling addictions or uh, internal problems that you had just begun pointing the finger at everybody else because you were terrified of sitting down in a quiet place and reflecting on the mistakes that you've made. Have you ever been in a place where you're like, I'm just ready to start over. I, I need to be made new. I think most of us can resonate with that. The problem is, is that transformation is painful. Transformation requires significant change. And most of us hate change. We're resistant towards change. We don't like it. But Paul says, no, no, no. Part of being a follower of Jesus means being transformed, means embracing the painful process 
of change. It made me think recently, I was listening to a pastor talk, uh, and uh, it was uh, it was like a video. I was listening to the pastor talk, and he was comparing the Christian transformation through the power of the Spirit to that of a caterpillar and a butterfly, and I thought it was really, really, really compelling. And, and basically, what he said was that as a, as a caterpillar grows, it is concerned with a leaf, and only a leaf. As it lives, its one and only concern is to eat. It thinks about eating with every one of its waking moments. But eventually, that caterpillar forms a cocoon, and then a couple of days later, it comes out of that cocoon, and it can experience the world in an entirely new way. It's no longer trapped and part of the leaf, but with its capability of flight, it can now not only is it gorgeous and beautiful and it's capable of moving over great distances, its concern is about flowers. Instead of eating the boring and dry leaf, it is now desiring the sweet nectar of the flower. And there's something that is simply powerful about that analogy when it comes to looking at the Christian life. Because I think the reality is, for many of us, we really do want to transform into butterflies. We want to experience the beauty of a life that's truly and fully committed to Jesus. We want to experience the transformation that leads to the freedom of flight. We want to experience the sweet nectar that is the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. We want to have all of those experiences and we want to have transformation, but we are resistant to the cocoon. We want to have the freedom of the butterfly with the comfort of the leaf. We want to have the taste of the nectar with the security of the caterpillar. We want to transform, but not quite so much. We're okay with stepping into the painful process of transformation as long as it really has no true risk to us and we sacrifice little. As long as we're giving up an hour of our time on Wednesday nights and maybe reading a Bible study here and there and maybe we show up to a local church potluck dinner or something, as long as that's all that Jesus is asking from me to have this transformation, then I'm in. And it reminds me of a movie called A Bug's Life. And I don't know if you've ever seen A Bug's Life before, but it's a really powerful uh, there's a couple of really powerful analogies, in it, and there's probably stuff throughout the movie that are, are you know, uh, preaching worthy or sermon illustration worthy. But it's about this ant, right? This ant named Flick, and Flick is kind of like a, a strange ant, and uh, he sort of doesn't fit in, and sort of like a creative. And um, the grasshoppers come to the ant hole or the ant mound or whatever they have, and they're robbing the ants of all of the food. The grasshoppers are mean, and Flick messes things up, so he leaves and goes to find heroes. And he finds this grouping of circus bugs that he thinks are just these amazing heroes that can help them, and one of these circus bugs is Heimlich. And Heimlich is this giant green caterpillar. Now, there's probably stuff throughout the movie that we could talk about, but I want to talk about something that happens in the closing credits. There's a, moment in the close, there's a moment in the closing credits where Heimlich is inside of the chrysalis. He's inside of the cocoon, and he comes bursting forth, and he yells, I am a beautiful butterfly, right? And I can't do his voice. And he spins, and he has these little tiny butterfly wings that are on his back, and they're sort of like fluttering about. But his giant worm body is still connected to these wings. And you're looking like, oh, there's no way that this giant fat, hideous caterpillar is actually going to fly with these little tiny butterfly wings. But I think a lot of times that's really what it looks like when it comes to Christian formation 
and Christian transformation. When it comes to people coming to faith in Jesus and growing and being discipled to look like Jesus, we look a lot like Heimlich at the end of a bug's life. Because we come to Jesus and we're used to our leaf life. We've built a kingdom of comfort. We like only being worried about how much we're going to eat that day. We're taking care of the basic concerns of our life. And then we meet Jesus and he invites us into the process of transformation through the chrysalis so that we could come forth through the process of transformation transformed because you cannot be transformed into the butterfly without the chrysalis. The chrysalis is a necessary, painful, but necessary step to the transformation in becoming the butterfly into experiencing the beauty of the butterfly, into experiencing the freedom of flight, into experiencing the sweeter parts of who God is. So instead, we sort of jump in for a halfway point. We'll give a little bit, but not all of us. And so we commit to the transformation and we burst out of our chrysalis as this giant, big green caterpillar with these little tiny wings and we're going around to everybody like look i'm a beautiful butterfly and the rest of the world looks at us because we're not a beautiful butterfly we do not look like we think we look they look at like listen i'm a christian i love jesus can't you tell joe you i can fly i can fly i can fly and we're looking at the thing sideways look and a little smirk in their face because they're like you just look like a worm you just look like a worm. You don't look like a butterfly. You haven't gone through the transformation. You haven't submitted to the chrysalis. You're not in something new. And so instead of our Christian life looking inspirational, instead of our Christian life looking like freedom and beauty and the sweetness and the goodness of God, because we've given God some or a portion but not all, and we haven't submitted to the chrysalis and the transformation, our life doesn't look inspiring. Our Christian life just looks confusing. Because when you look at Heimlich, he just looks confusing. And the reality is, a lot of times to the outside world, they look in and they're not convinced of the goodness of Jesus. They're not convinced that they should follow him because there's not a Christian that they know that's living any different than the world. But they're going around and bragging about their butterfly wings. And everyone else is looking at them and they're just saying, you're still concerned with the leaf. You're still thinking about the leaf. You're still stuck in caterpillar life. You haven't found the freedom in your wings. You're still eating a leaf. And God beckons us and calls us forward through the power of his spirit to submit, to give over, to be transformed. And we desperately cling to the things on our leaf and we hold tightly to our leaf life, unwilling to surrender it to become part of the chrysalis process to go through the pain and the change of transformation, to give up our addictions, to surrender our sins, to truly forgive, to seek peace, to do the things that Jesus actually said that we should do. A truly magnificent life in the Christian world is a transformed life. It's a butterfly life. It's a magnificent opportunity. And the Christian life is a series of chrysalis opportunities 
where we surrender more of ourselves and we adopt more the spirit and the nature of Jesus himself. And as we adopt the chrysalis and enter the stage and the phase of transformation over and over again, each time we emerge looking more like Jesus. But it never happens if we don't embrace the chrysalis, which is our next step this week. This week's next step is I will commit to the chrysalis this week. And I'll be honest, I don't know what the chrysalis is for you. For some of you, it might be giving up someone in your life who's been poisonous or bad for you. Maybe it's giving up a habit. Maybe it's starting the fight against an addiction. Maybe it's finally calling a counselor. Maybe it's getting back on the medication you knew that you needed to be on. Perhaps it's seeking the person out that you've been at odds with, admitting that you've been wrong and seeking their forgiveness. Perhaps it is waking up each morning, spending time alone before the rest of your family is up, before your household awakes with God, your Bible, spending time in prayer because you know you're at a place in your life right now where you need to enter the chrysalis of tuning your ear to the voice of God and hearing where he's directing you. Maybe it's quitting a job because you know that God has called you to something else, but you've been running from it. Maybe because you're scared of it or maybe you're afraid it won't pay the bills, whatever it may be. I don't know what the thing is for you, but I do know this. With, with all of us, there is some sort of a chrysalis opportunity, a transformational opportunity that God is beckoning, beckoning us towards. He's pulling us into it. He's saying, I want you to be transformed because in transformation, you can experience freedom. And I know it's going to be painful, but it's worth it in the end. You can give up the caterpillar body. You can give up the small wings. You can actually embrace something new. I have flight for you. I have the sweetness, the fragrance, the fragrance of the flowers, the sweetness of the nectar, the good things that I am are in store for you. If you would give up the caterpillar life, would you embrace the chrysalis? Looking at the concepts of persecution and the things that could be going on in our world and, and thinking about the pain that some people may be facing and my brothers and sisters do face throughout life and thinking about the caterpillar and the butterfly life brings me back to a common theme that has been echoed throughout most of this series, which is the concept of the desert road and the mountain path. And over and over again, we've asked, which one will you take? The road of the law leads to death, dryness, barren, featureless lands. And the mountain path is scary and fraught with danger and transformation and pain. But it leads to the source of life, to mountain springs, to the voice and the heart of God himself. So, which will you travel? Because here at Lux, we're committed not just to spiritual formation, but we're committed to the mountain path. Here at Lux, we're committed to the butterfly life. We're committed to set aside the leaf, the kingdom of comfort that we've constructed. We're committed to experiencing Jesus and God deeper and more fully. We're committed to transformation. Here at Lux, we're committed to mountain vistas. And we're inviting you to come along with us. We're only just starting. And I believe that God has in store for us the ability to get close to seeing him face to face. For the veil of eternity and our reality to grow thin. 
and for us to grow closer to the presence and the glory of God himself. If we're willing to submit to the chrysalis, if we're willing to adventure on the mountain path, I am going. And I hope and pray that in the months and the years to come that you will go with us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for Lux and for the folks who are here. I thank you for every soul that's behind a computer screen or a phone screen right now who's tuned in, whether new or returning, whether a member of our dream team or a member of our church family. There is an adventure set before us that Paul has ushered in with the book of Galatians, an adventure of lifelong adventure of transformation to the likeness of Jesus that finds freedom amidst pain, that finds peace amongst chaos, that finds love amongst hate, forgiveness amongst bitterness, that turns the world on its head with a life that is so radically different from the way of the rest of our culture in the world that it can't help but be taken seriously. I pray, Father, that even today that this would be the beginning of people not living half-committed lives any longer, but setting aside the kingdom of comfort, setting aside the leaf committed to abandoning the caterpillar bodies of faith and adopting the wings and the beauty and the nectar of the butterfly. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.